is burning. Welcome to World is Burning, the podcast for your climate anxiety. I am Olivia. And I'm Elise. It feels like it's been a while since we've recorded because, well, because I've been in a different place every couple of days since yeah. we last recorded a few weeks ago. But this episode is kind of our, well, recap of the treaty people gathering. Uh, it's all about activism and allyship. I learned a lot about this is like I went to the treaty people gathering mm-hmm. this past weekend. Let me back up a second. I went to the treaty people gathering in northern Minnesota this past weekend. And I learned a lot about going to an indigenous led gathering mm-hmm. and like learning from organizers i mean i've been to plenty i feel like plenty of protests and demonstrations before but this was definitely the longest i've traveled and kind of the most isolated event that i've ever been to Mm -hmm. so yeah i wanted to share some of those experiences and i know you had some like questions for me or things you're curious about and also if anyone is just like jumping into this episode and you haven't listened to the down the rabbit hole Mm-hmm. about the treaty people gathering like there's you know some background information there if you want to go back and listen I think it's like less than a half hour and we really went through pretty much everything although I will say okay <laughs> listening when I was listening back to that episode before we even posted it I kind of just mentioned wild rice really like flippantly I was like oh well wild rice is important that's a thing okay and completely moved on and then First of all, being at the gathering, I really began to understand how important wild rice is to um, not only to the Anishinaabe community, but also just to the ecosystem as a whole and how wild rice is this indicator of the health of a larger ecosystem. Mm -hmm. There's a great article in Grist about this. They did a great long report about this. So I'll link that on our website. Um, It's definitely worth a read. I think I actually retweeted it on our social media, but that really goes through like why learning about the health of wild rice is so important. So Mm -hmm. that was obviously we didn't get everything in that episode, but I do think it's a pretty good primer of the whole situation. And I will be honest, like so that that down the rabbit hole was kind of like my story, I guess. Uh And so doing the research for that was so helpful. That gave me basically all of these talking points or facts that I could have in my head where I could just like spout off those in conversations, which helped, I think, maybe helped like the other people that were around me to like have facts and stuff that they could use in conversation, which is literally the whole point of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That made me happy. Very cool. I love that. Yeah. Where should we start? Well, I guess my first question, which is like before you even get to the actual gathering. Um, so you took like a, a pretty long train ride, right? Yeah. Which like I've I've taken the train a lot between like New York and Connecticut um, mm-hmm. and have done more like, you know, semi-local train stuff, like maybe two hour train rides. But like, yeah. how was how was traveling essentially like across the country in a train? Right. Yeah. No, really. And it also just sort of by coincidence, I had also come back from my parents house in Massachusetts on the Amtrak gotcha. like a day before I left for I went. So I went from Massachusetts to to New York City and then New York City all the way to Minneapolis. And then mm-hmm. I got a carpool up to up to the site. Gotcha. But 
it was great. I was really excited to do that. The whole Lakeshore Limited line, which is what goes from New York City to Chicago, that's like the overnight section, is so mm-hmm. beautiful. Just, I mean, lakes and beautiful scenery everywhere. And it's like a nice, slow way to experience travel. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of the reason we have a whole episode where I talked about um, flight shame and fleek scam, that whole idea of flying less and how mm-hmm. how maybe never setting foot on a plane again is not realistic for everyone. But that like mm-hmm. if you can limit your own plane travel, that's something that you should do. So I was kind of trying to walk that walk. And I was also inspired by other people who said that they were coming out to the treaty people gathering in northern Minnesota from farther places or from the coasts. Um, that was kind of what got me thinking that I should think about taking the Amtrak out. So yeah, it was not the most comfortable like overnight, definitely. Mm-hmm. I could have lived to have a neck pillow mm. next to me. But honestly, it was great. There's so much space and it's just I don't know. It's like a really interesting experience. It reminded me of being in Europe where you can do that yeah, more normally. Yeah. And it's like also coming out of quarantine and the pandemic, you know, it's so nice to be able to hear like overhear conversations mm-hmm. and be in this like liminal space with other people where you're just like a traveler. Yeah. I don't know. That I know that doesn't really have anything to do with the gathering or with, you know, choosing train travel, but I do think it was just I I really enjoyed it as an experience. And so I'm still in Minnesota now. I decided to combine this trip with um, visiting family and friends in Minnesota and then also going to Chicago. I'm going to stay a couple days with my brother in Chicago, which does help to have people in, in both of those places that I can could reach out to if I needed to. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was great. And then on the second leg, the, the leg from Chicago to Minneapolis, I was able to connect with um, a UU minister who was also going out to the Line 3 gatherings. And actually, cool. on yeah. the first leg too, I was like dead asleep, honestly. <laughs> definitely sleeping with my mouth open. Not cute. But there was a guy that came and sat next to me while I was sleeping because they, they've like upped their capacity and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he saw my massive backpack and like my, I had my sleeping bag out on the train. And he was like, are you going to the line three, um, stop line three protest? And he was like, I'm going also. So that oh, was nice. Awesome. That's so cool. You could kind of pick it out. That's <laughs> some people said was like, you could kind of pick out who might be going based on how like hippie they looked. Yeah. Because um, definitely there is, I mean, one big thing with the train is that you have to have the time and the money, but like the time to be able to like sacrifice to to doing that trip, uh-huh. um, which is something that at this, you know, last few weeks of my life I did have. But like, I definitely wouldn't always have that. Mm-hmm. And the the Wi-Fi is very spotty. I guess if you had a hotspot, it would be okay. But anyways, it's it's a sacrifice of of money mm-hmm. and um a sacrifice of time. But then I was able the the gathering people had organized a carpool website, so I was able to find basically some random other travelers to to go up with, and I found mm-hmm. someone who was coming up from Minneapolis. So I drove up with her, and that was um fantastic. It's really nice to like get to know new people. And again, coming out of the pandemic, you know, to be able to meet new people in sort of this haphazard way that reminds me a lot of like solo traveling stuff that I've done before. 
Mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting. But I also, I realize I'm talking a lot about myself and a lot about, I guess, my yeah. own personal experience, which is important. But I I do want to talk about the the orientations and the ways that the organizers of this event had us step into to this event, especially people that were coming from out of state or out of the region. Uh-huh. And so I thought they did a really great job of um, having orientations before we went to mm-hmm. talk about what it's what it's like to go to an indigenous led event or go to an event that you do not need to have any real authority over. You're just like a body mm-hmm. there and that you're an important body and you have like a voice and authority, but also like being very mindful of like actively dismantling white supremacy and um, decolonizing practices of organizing that historically do especially favor people that don't have to to work or have the the ability to to dedicate a few days of their time to mm-hmm. to something more complicated or more more concentrated like a gathering like this or people that have dedicated years of their lives in many cases to mm-hmm. this let me just read there was a paper that they gave us when we walked into the campground and I want to read you just briefly like Mm -hmm. some of the norms expectations and rules because I thought that this was really well put together awesome it's short um so it says remember that we are guests here on Anishinaabe land be respectful be humble and be open to being reminded of your obligations treaties are the supreme law of the land and are the reason we have gathered here be aware of the energy you're coming in with including urgency This is part of dismantling white supremacist culture and habits. Be flexible, be flexible, be flexible. Indigenous leaders will be sharing knowledge, stories, and prayer with us. During these parts of the schedule, it is crucial that you participate to the best of your ability. Do not interrupt to ask questions or rush the end of trainings or talks. You can always visit the information table by the entrance or someone with a host team badge who's not doing something else. Ask for consent before touching or getting close to anyone and do not take photos without people's consent. So I think that part about being aware of the energy that you're coming in with, especially mm-hmm. urgency, was like, I just love the, the the way that that was put. And I think that's so important because there is, I don't know, I, I'm just like was trying to be so aware of my own internal motivations some of which are subconscious Mm -hmm. coming into this and there definitely is that kind of feeling of like okay you know we've we've made this journey to be here we're here let's get the job done and like that can't that's not going to happen right yeah yeah as we've seen like after the gathering which was around 2,000 people including about I think it was something like 180 people that were arrested and another 50 or 60 who got citations. I've seen varying numbers of that, but I know it was over 100 people that got arrested. Wow. And that definitely makes headlines. But at the same time, Biden has not said anything Mm -hmm. despite lots of uh, specific requests for him to do anything despite, you know, Keystone XL fully being put in the ground yeah Uh, or being not put in the ground (laughs) staying in the ground being put away after he kind of canceled it on his first day in office you know there have been a lot of opportunities in this last week and a half for him to acknowledge it in any form and Mm -hmm. no he's 
he's chilling at G7 watching the Jets go over, do a nice little performance for him when he flew to England. Like, yeah. All that to say, like, this was never something that was going to be solved in a weekend. The mm-hmm. attempt of this gathering was to call attention to it, which I think it has. Yeah. Um, maybe not perfectly, but I think that there has been a lot of of talk about line three and about the gathering itself. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, but then still that idea of coming in with energy, but not with urgency. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that. Yeah. And also... Um, I talked to some people there who are in some form are public speakers or performers or are comfortable being in front of an audience. Mm -hmm. And it's especially for, again, white people that are coming into a gathering like this. Sometimes you can think, oh, okay, my skill is public speaking. You know, there's an opportunity to speak right now. Maybe I should go up and get on the stage. And the answer to that is no, unless you have a very specific you know, in a reason to take up space like that. I think it's really important for white people or people that have historically benefited from settler colonialism to not take up space to like really not even there's like there was a specific part in there where it was like, don't ask questions while people are speaking, find a person afterwards. And there are people that just we would be in a crowd of 200 people sitting under a tent and they would stand up and scream a question oh, while really? someone was talking. Yeah. Which is just, it's, and it, it was always white people. I mean, always. Dang. Okay. Well, I, I, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like no raising your hand, like wait to the appropriate time. But like, I mm-hmm. guess, yeah, I guess it was really needed then. But yeah. And people, I guess, ignored it. Yeah. I mean, how many town halls or whatever's have you been at where someone asks a question and you're like, "Mm." even if you had the same Mm -hmm. question in your head, it's like, please shut up. Just I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a time and a place. But it's also cool that they were like, there's an information thing that you can go and ask that question. So like there's still a place um, where you're not like disrupting the flow and like people's. Yeah. Like taking up other people's space. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And especially it's not like they were asking bad questions. In some cases, they were asking a question that I had in my head, too. But it's that idea of not taking up space where Mm -hmm. it's not needed and allowing kind of trusting the process, you know, and not taking up that space where you where you don't need to. But there was an information booth. There was a media booth, like lots of organization, tons of people that were speaking and people that had different roles. So people that are you know, gave us information on how how to speak to a, a lawyer or how not to speak to the police because you don't speak to the police unless you're a police liaison, which is something, mm-hmm. you know, I've heard at other demonstrations, but it's something that has to be repeated over and over again because people will talk to the police or they'll try to rile them up or they'll, mm-hmm. heaven forbid, be trying to give information to the police and that's just not something that needs to happen. Yeah. So... Another thing I want to mention that was that I saw a little bit in the orientation before and then that was present there was this idea of security culture, which is it it translated into the professional media, which I was not a part of. I did bring like a recorder and I brought I thought about going up to the media tent and maybe putting, you know, world is burning stuff in there. But I thought about it and I I realized that I needed to make a choice between being a 
podcaster mm-hmm. being in some form a part of the media and then being an activist being like a body on the ground yeah and so when I like thought with myself about that I realized that I did not come all this way to you know to to try and interview anyone or to try and like be a podcaster in that space or journalist mm-hmm. in any way or documenting that because to be honest like we don't I love this podcast, but we don't have the platform that I think would be that would be absolutely necessary. And also we're yeah. talking about it in other ways. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're still spreading the word about it and yeah, providing hopefully educational like facts and the things that you yeah. don't necessarily need to be a primary source. Right. And like it, the idea of me. Yeah. Us being able to talk about the treaty people gathering did not rest even on me being physically present let alone on like interviews with people. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So then I I didn't even take out my recorder the whole time. And there okay. were parts of it where I was like, wow, I really, I kind of want to. But well, part of security culture is being very mindful of um, not recording trainings, not recording, mm-hmm. even like background noise on a, on a video, uh, even like a so straight to social media kind of video being very aware of what you can hear in the background if people are accidentally using any identifying information mm-hmm. any photos that like have people in the background mm-hmm. there was like a wild hog that was right outside my tent one day oh wow and so I was I just kind of like took out my phone and was recording him without a thought and then someone like was walking in the background and they didn't say anything to me but in my mind I was like okay I I don't post this video online unless I blur their face out because I have no idea if that person holds a position of authority. I don't know if they're risking arrest. I don't know yeah. if everyone knows that they're here. I don't know if they're famous, like all of that kind of stuff. Uh huh. So yeah, like being mindful of especially the trainers and especially the indigenous trainers that were there, that they are giving your time and space Um to the people that are present in that moment and then not Mm -hmm. all of that information is necessary or even wanted to go outside of that space which when we're so like connected to our own like immediately sharing everything on social media that's kind of a yeah a different thought yeah Yeah. no I mean it's so it's so interesting like it's so weird that like just being at something and living that or helping or doing whatever and mm-hmm. just doing that and not taking pictures or like not sharing things or because like sometimes sharing things is helpful, like and it's right. amplifying something and whatever. But just like that, just doing something and not sharing it or whatever is like not quite like it's not second nature anymore. Like we have to mm-hmm. like think about it and be like, mm-hmm. oh. And also, I mean, in addition to that, I had terrible service pretty much the whole time. I had a little mm-hmm. bit. I texted you like a couple of times so you knew yeah. I was still around. But like other than I would have to go up on the hill to get any meaningful service. Mm-hmm. So but there were people that were staying at hotels who had much closer access to the internet. Mm-hmm. But it's that idea of leaving your ego at the door, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, part of your ego I I feel like at least for me so much of my ego is wrapped up in how I present myself online especially yeah and so that's it's twofold because it's like partially you want as many people to be getting the word out as mm-hmm. possible regardless of whether that's to their like 300 people who mostly live in Indiana or if it's to 
200 million people or whatever. Um, you know, Jane Fonda was there and mm-hmm. Bill McKibben was there and they they do so much work for just just spreading the word to a large amount of people. But like even if you have a small network, that can be even more important because those people really care about and listen to you and might not know about this otherwise. Yeah. And so but then so there's that. But then there's also that like you don't need to be documenting every moment. Your general audience does not need to know that today is the training and tomorrow is the action or that you're going to this action. They don't need to know that now. Maybe they never need to know that. Um, And so they they did have like pamphlets and information on using social media. So especially things like live streams where that can't really be edited afterwards, but being careful really to point your cameras at the cops as much as possible because those are the people that need to be being recorded um, yeah. and much less at the general public. Mm-hmm. Just balancing sort of all of those things. And then at the core of it, centering indigenous voices, um, there was like a little pamphlet. It said, you always want to center indigenous voices, get consent before filming, especially people's faces, and lock your devices in case cops grab you. And also locking your phone with a passcode as opposed to fingerprints or facial recognition, which is Mm -hmm. really easy to just kind of get from you real fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just like one more thing on social media, I guess, like Mm -hmm. I feel like on social media and especially since like after a year of being discouraged from, you know, being around people and like having mm. the way that we like communicate a lot be online or like like through e- zoom or whatever like i feel like there's a lot of pressure to share uh mm. and like if you're not sharing and you're not posting then like you're being silent and mm-hmm. i feel like there's a that that pressure is there a lot and i think it's cool that like sometimes maybe by being silent or like leaving that space for listening or just being present somewhere can be more important and yeah I just think like addressing that pressure is Mm -hmm. is good because I think then it's like there's like a guilt there if you're not sharing then you're not you know helping but that's not the only avenue of doing anything that's like a small avenue right yeah and like I always hear from people that do (laughs) this is so off face but like people that do like (laughs) wedding photography and stuff are always say never offer to do photo and video unless you want both of those things to be half as good like if Mm. you want to do something well especially in a creative space I mean this is just I feel like from our creative friends like people assume that you can do everything and sometimes me I put those own expectations on myself I'm like okay well I need to have a really good photo of this for xyz but I should probably take some video of it because it would be interesting to have b-roll and then you know I have my audio recorder maybe Mm -hmm. I should interview a couple people or maybe I should just be recording background noise and then also like should I be writing this down and also how can I be an activist in this space and so that was a challenge for me to be like no like Olivia you're here to as an activist you're here to put your body on the line Mm -hmm. here to be a part of this not to do any of those other things but that also means that you know I have five photos maybe from the whole weekend that are all of signs and stuff not anything I didn't even bring my phone to the action because I was at fairly low risk of arrest I did like the sort of medium risk of arrest which was another decision that took me a couple of days to make Um, Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time thinking about that because uh, actually, let's talk about that for a second because yeah, 
they basically, uh, and I've heard this about other nonviolent direct actions too, they'll sort of separate you into green, yellow, and red. So green is, mm-hmm. you know, there's never no risk of arrest, but it's a much mm-hmm. lower, you're sort of, not necessarily the back of things, but you're like, you're going to stay back and the, there's a dispersal order. You're the first people to leave. You actually might leave before them. And then there's yellow, which is a medium risk of arrest. You might be doing something that could potentially lead to um, lead to arrest or like mm-hmm. lead to some sort of citation. You might stay after there's a dispersal order. Uh, you know, you're closer to the front of everything. Mm-hmm. And then there's red, which is very high risk of arrest. Those are the people that are staying at the campgrounds that are staying there past several dispersal orders. Um, overnight might not necessarily have a timeline and then that like in all likelihood there's going to be law enforcement that arrests you and you're going to have to go through the whole legal system um, Mm -hmm. and be prepared for that so pretty much I think everyone including green people had to fill out a jail support form okay and um, make sure to have all of that information there make sure that anything that you were bringing to the event was something that you were Willing, basically either willing to lose or that you needed. So everyone mm-hmm. has their ID, but um, I would say maybe 50% of people brought their phones. Mm-hmm. And if you do bring your phone, you have to be very aware that, you know, well, you could lose that or that all the information that's on there could could be accessed. Mm-hmm. We were using Signal, which is like a popular encrypted texting app so that, mm-hmm. you know, like no one knows the location of the, well, no one, no one, that's there needs to know the location of the action until we didn't know until like 12 hours before really gotcha. um, where were we were going to be going. And so, yeah, it was like splitting into those several risks of arrest. And so me as, um, I guess a young person, a white person, a person of like relative economic privilege, but then also that would have a difficulty paying for the 500 to several thousand charges that like might uh-huh. be put against me or you know I don't have a lawyer all those kinds of things yeah I was trying to to wrap in my head like uh, what point where can I be most useful to this and then what mm-hmm. how can I best like put my body on the line but then also be mindful of the consequences because if you are putting yourself at high risk of arrest you do have to think about okay I might be in jail for several days I'm going to be in um, in the legal system in this state for at least several months, if mm-hmm. not more. I may have to come here unexpectedly or quickly, mm-hmm. especially if they stop doing Zoom proceedings. Mm-hmm. And so thinking about all of those, those choices, I decided to go for the medium risk of arrest, mm-hmm. um, which was basically my rationale for that was that I did need to be back in the city in the week I needed to work. I, I wanted to be like realistic about what would, what I had prepared for, which was I'd really prepared to be there until Tuesday and then that I would come home. Yeah. Or come back to, to Minneapolis. And so I ended up being able to get, to have a role making the chalk murals, which were really cool. Uh Um, so that was like a role that meant being at the front of of a larger group we were on the overpass at the mississippi front lines but then also i mean we were we were organizing a chalk mural so risk likelihood of arrest was 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 medium but like on the lower side in my opinion because it would mm-hmm. really be like if they were getting 
uh, arresting everyone, then we would be arrested. But if they mm-hmm. weren't, we were pretty much like we were again in a yellow risk of arrest. Yeah. Um, and I really liked that. It was it was fun. It was like creative. I had a, our little team. They had a little team for like each line of the the large mural. And I felt like it was a fun way that I can contribute some like some level of of creativity and like visual aspects without mm-hmm. um, having to to camp out on the absolute front lines where they were. And we were also doing that to make space for the people to clear the path to go out to where they were where they were camping out. Gotcha. That's so cool. And yeah, I remember you you were texting me about about like the levels and what you're doing and I was like mm-hmm. so that's that's really interesting really cool and it like cool to be able to look out for what you were were up to mm-hmm. so that's really awesome and I'm yeah. glad that you didn't get arrested yeah but at the same time so we like did that it said Biden honor the treaties stop line three mm-hmm. so very much just a repeat of the messaging that we've been having and there were drones going over so yeah I went to, there ended up being two um, demonstration locations. Um, okay. One that was at a work site. And so people, uh, that was a, a higher risk of arrest. And I, I think everyone that was there pretty much ended up being arrested because, mm. well, because Enbridge sucks and they have their own yeah. private police force, Northern Lights Task Force. Let's Oof. shout out to them, LOL. But, um, that's where the helicopters were coming down. If you saw yeah, that, yeah, I Horrific. did. That's so scary. Did, yeah. did anyone get injured from that, or was it just like really dangerous? Um, I don't know if anyone was injured. I do know from people that were there, and then also there's Unicorn Riot was doing great coverage of the event, and there they had a video of mm. the Department of Homeland Security helicopters coming down, like. I, there's a term for it, but basically blowing up all the dust. Remember, they were at a construction mm-hmm. site, too. So there's dust. I mean, there's dirt everywhere. So they're pulling up the dirt, but not only the dirt, also small and large pebbles and, you know, several inch wide wood chips all mm-hmm. getting blown up, making it hard for people to breathe. Keep in mind that the the people that were kind of directly below the helicopter, some of them were chained up. Um in protest yeah. of the of the work site. Yeah, so they can't get away. But they can't get away. So or that's per, like, endangering those people. Face, even. Mm-hmm. Or maybe depending on how they're chained. Yeah. Or you're just being antagonized by this helicopter that's obviously bigger than you. And yeah. it's it's violent. Um, especially in response to a nonviolent direct action. Mm-hmm. That's just um a horrific thing to do. And that's really the only interaction that we got mm-hmm. from Biden the whole weekend was that. So yeah, thank it's you. Helicopter rotor wash. Yes, 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 yes. I was just like checking our Twitter because I kn- I know there were a yeah. bunch of tweets about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like yeah, just like spraying. Cause the, the video is scary. You can see all the stuff like blowing up in people's face. Yeah. That's also something like if you're listening to this and you're thinking about going to a uh, a demonstration like this and having a higher risk of arrest like those are the kinds of things that you're going to see because that's what happens and mm-hmm. and much worse things happen too and so i don't know that's just something to keep in mind and also like looking at the media i knew that the chalk mural was very like a feel good thing that we probably aren't going to get a lot of there's no one that's going to write an article that's like 
chalk mural looks great. Like, stop line three. But at the same time, there were every headline was only about the number of people that had been arrested at that point. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's why we do these events that have a high risk of of arrest and people Mm -hmm. are willing to put their bodies online because unfortunately that's what gets clicks and that's what gets headlines is this high number of people were arrested for doing this thing. Yeah. Even though there were thousands of people there, that's Mm -hmm. like, that's what's going to get the most headlines. And also, you know, people like Jane Fonda and Bill McKibben being there, that is what's going to get attention as Mm -hmm. opposed to a sheer number of people marching. Although I think they all have different elements that are are positive. Mm Mm-hmm. So I know the helicopter thing happened, but I guess like and you've kind of explained how the like respectfulness of being other people's space. But like, I guess, how did you feel like the mood was? Because like you were obviously there Mm. for something that was like really serious. um, But like you were also doing like a chalk mural, which I mean, obviously it's for a serious thing, but that does feel like like you said, like feel good, kind of almost like Mm -hmm. celebratory. So how did it f- feel to be among the people do, like doing those actions? Yeah. And like in that space, I, like specifically, I guess, like in your, I'm sure like in the higher risk, like maybe things were more intense or more like somber or whatever. But like, yeah, how in your action did it feel to be around people? Like what was the vibe? Yeah, I think it was a mix of, catharsis and grief that's just kind Mm -hmm. of what kept going through my head because there was this sort of sense of release of the emotions and this importance of being together having this many people show up for a gathering but also a lot of grief knowing that we're that this is an uphill battle Mm -hmm. and I think from the Anishinaabe people that were there yeah it was a a mix of grief and anger and I guess gratefulness to have like this community but also yeah mainly grief that this is happening and that this is um not only putting their their people and their ecosystems and wild rice and food sovereignty and um nature at risk but also putting so much of Minnesota and so much of anywhere that touches this pipeline or even touches the previous pipeline, which still does exist just mm-hmm. as at lower capacity, like that risk of oil spills constantly is such a heavy weight to bear. And especially yeah. when you're constantly fighting that fight and trying to explain why this isn't what, like this is not the direction that we need to be going in at all. If you keep saying that over and over again and working on this for decades and years, like some of um, the indigenous people have been, that's exhausting. And so there's Mm -hmm. like, there is a sense of joy. And, you know, there was a a gorgeous, the entire campground ground and the entire area was gorgeous. But there was like this river that people were going in in the evenings. And, you know, we were like, I I didn't bring a bathing suit. So I was like going in in my shorts and stuff and talking to new people and getting to know Mm -hmm. all these people that are really deeply organized in um, deep, deeply involved. I mean, in organizing and like divestment campaigns and 
Mm-hmm. I met people all ages. When we were doing the chalk mural, we we were mainly focusing on the outline and then we would have people from the sides help us color in. So I met like these gotcha. really cute little kids who were, you know, there with their parents and like mm-hmm. were so excited to help with something and Aww. were truly adorable. So like that's just a sweet like there's so much joy and community in that sense. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just like this this mix of emotions and then also like I think, yeah, as a person, again, who has, has historically benefited from settler colonialism, I see so much of like um, where I'm complicit in in what's happening right now and like how much and how little power I have at the same time. Um, but it was ultimately, I I had a good time, which sounds kind of messed up to say, but I did. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I met yeah. a lot of really interesting people and heard a lot of interesting perspectives we oh another big thing a big element of our training it was kind of separated into two sections one was learning the the songs that we would sing the next day Mm -hmm. and then the other part was like know your rights and basically what to do if you get arrested which are two very important elements but very different Mm -hmm. things yeah and so learning the songs and there were um there was like an indigenous song that we learned um so we had like little cards with the words for that and then several songs in english some more general ones there were specific tra- chant leaders which was important okay. because some mm-hmm. people maybe myself included would think oh no one's chanting right now i should start a chant to get the energy going but no mm-hmm. there were people that that was their role and so we nice. didn't weren't even supposed to do like the call this, the first part of the chance, you know, it was really like there are yeah. people that are going to do that. And then like you just need to to support them in the second part yeah. of the chant, if that makes I sense. I like that. Yeah. 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 That's cool. And so learning the songs and singing together was really beautiful. So the the action that I went to, there was the one at the work site and then there was um, one at the headwaters of the Mississippi at sort of an, uh, a small bridge overpass situation. And so we started, we did a caravan from the campsite to the action site. And then we had all this gorgeous art. There was an amazing art team that made tons of signs and posters. We've been sharing a bunch of them online and you can see them. That that march, which was maybe like a mile from where we parked to the overpass, was just really beautiful. Like, again, that was very much a feeling of like community and doing this together. And then once we reached the overpass, that was, well, that was the chalk cruise cue to to get going on the um, mural. But then everyone mm-hmm. that was going to camp out on the at the site itself were marking the path there. And then um, several indigenous leaders were going out to do a ceremony to start off that. And mm-hmm. then everyone was putting out their their tents. So it was cool also to be part of this action where people, not everyone, but many people had a specific role. Um, and it was sort of, even though it wasn't hyper-organized in the sense that we didn't know everything that was going to happen, there was mm-hmm. someone that was prepared for every scenario. And so it felt like, it felt like I was going to say being a cog in the machine, but that's a super capitalist thing to say. What's it like being a piece of the puzzle, basically? 
Yeah, part of the whole... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And so, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's it. That was a long-winded way to say, yeah, it was cathartic, but also, like, well, it was grieving something that is partially mine and that partially is not mine. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, but one more thing. So... Another really important element of this, it's the treaty people gathering. I think I said this in our down the rabbit hole, but it's okay. The idea is that we're all treaty people and especially mm-hmm. the indigenous people there were really adamant about saying we are all treaty people. If these treaties are being broken, they're being broken on both sides. And so mm. if you, especially if you are a treaty person in the sense that you agreed to this treaty on the part of settlers like you Mm -hmm. have an extra responsibility but I guess sort of an equal responsibility to uphold the treaty it's not like I don't know I was I was reading the Star Tribune this morning which is the Minneapolis newspaper and they were they had an article about the um a like legal proceeding that was trying I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago I don't have it written down but it was like Mm -hmm. um three judges in an appellate court who had to decide whether or not there was like a proven need for the pipeline. Yeah. Which ultimately they decided that there was, but it was two of the three judges voted yes, I guess. And the other dissented and and wrote a a strong dissent because Mm. they were basically like this, like all of the information, the, the proven need is based on current levels of how much fossil fuel we need and all the stats most of the stats are coming from oil companies and Enbridge themselves so it's like yeah how are we how can we decide rationally what the need is for this when we're basing this on numbers that are coming from the people who are profiting off of it exactly yeah so instead of like a scientific third party or something that like can actually yeah or someone that's talking about like realistically how we're going to mitigate our use of fossil fuels yeah crap i forgot why i brought that up though i'm kind of going on a rant but it's cool though like i mean it's cool to know i i don't know i think you brought up the determining need but i didn't know about i don't know if i knew about the like two judges yeah no i didn't know about that until this morning reading the star tribune but Okay. What else? I think it is interesting to be in Minneapolis after this. So I grew up coming to Minneapolis like pretty much once a year. My mom's whole side of the family lives here. And then I have some friends here now. So I've been seeing I just especially like coming after the the year of after George's. Well, what am I saying? The year after George Floyd's murder. Um mm-hmm the the way that like people have been trying to um dismantle white supremacy in Minneapolis and the surrounding areas itself mm-hmm. like everyone that i know here kind of warned me on the way up they were like you know it's a little tense right now and i think it's been tense for a long time but especially the last year and change mm-hmm. and so as I've been here, um, Winston Smith is a person who was uh, murdered uh, like in the last two weeks. And yesterday there was a or two days ago, there was a not a protest, just a gathering of people that were like playing hopscotch and like playing very childlike games and just having a gathering to grieve uh-huh. the loss of this person. Um, and 
a 35-year-old white man drove his car through the uh, demonstration, I guess. I don't know, through the gathering and killed this woman whose birthday is uh, Wednesday, June 16th. And so, like, that happening and that there have been so many events. I mean, the Derek Chauvin verdict was a couple of months ago. Everything. it's It's been tense and tense is an understatement but you know what i mean it's been like we've been on the edge of having these things just constantly happen all the time throughout the entire world and the u.s but especially minneapolis has been like a hub of that and so it is a little bit interesting to like to come into this environment where they're like trying to dismantle all the gorgeous art that has been put up in george floyd square and painting over murals and trying to like really make it seem like oh you know we grieved that everything is good yeah or like this xyz Derek Chauvin has gone through the legal system okay everything is good and that sort of feels like what's happening at line three as well I guess with the appellate court situation and um different legal proceedings it's just like at every corner they're like okay we've proven the need it's already 60 percent completed like let's be done now and that's just there's so much more to grieve than yeah. what we're allowing ourselves to do. And there's also so much more to be saved and so much more that we can change right now, even though the pipeline is already at 60 percent construction completion and it could be um, pummeling tar sands under Minnesota in the fourth quarter. Like we we still have time that we can stop that. And so, yeah. Oh, well, so one more thing. I know you had a question for me, which was like, are there people still at those campsites now? And then are there people mm-hmm. that are camping out throughout the, the, I don't know, con- indefinitely? Yeah. And the answer is yes. Um, well, the answer to are there people at the specific campgrounds that the demonstrations were at? The answer is no. I think um, after a couple of days, there were enough. I mean, basically everyone was arrested or forced to leave. Yeah. So those specific campsites, as far as I know, no, there's no one there on the ground currently, although I would um, venture to say that there probably is a group of organizers who are like maintaining some level those sites. But there are there's like Rise and Engage, I think, is their social media. It's the Rise Coalition that's been doing a lot of mm-hmm. fantastic organizing. I met several people that were coming up for the Treaty People Gathering, but then that were staying for a couple of months and that will be continuing to do actions on the ground Mm -hmm. indefinitely but especially for the next few months and especially as like construction continues so um we mentioned in our down the rabbit hole and i'll put them in the blog for this episode as well there's lots of people that you can follow and also if you aren't in northern minnesota right now there is so much that you can do just by talking about this on social media talking about this to your friends and family And also talking about the financial aspects of this, there's the whole Stop the Money Pipeline initiative and there are Stop the Money Pipeline accounts that you can follow. And Mm -hmm. even if you're not in northern Minnesota, you probably have a bank account or even if you don't have a bank account, you probably have a bank in your town and you can tell them that we need to divest from um, these types of fossil fuels and these types of practices that are not helping anyone i mean even yeah 
like in the long term, these are truly not helping anyone. And certainly they're not helping the the health of the planet. So those are things that you're able to get involved with from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Are there any other besides besides the banks of it? Are there any other things or any other specific things that like people should be sharing or or is it mostly the the banking and the just like following all the people? And I guess if they have anything to share. Yeah. Um. Well, I think I would say go back to our down the rabbit hole because we shared a bunch of places that you can donate. You can still mm-hmm. donate to the Treaty People Gathering. There are people, especially those that were arrested, that are going to have to pay legal fees and mm-hmm. are going to be in the legal system here for a while. Mm-hmm. So you can still donate to that. There's also Honor the Earth, which is um, co-founded by Winona LaDuke. I'm wearing their shirt right now. I'll show oh, it nice. to you later. But awesome. it's 100% cotton, but it is. I don't usually buy t-shirts from places because I don't need any more t-shirts, nor does anyone. But I did really <laughs> want to have some Stop Line 3 stuff to wear on that day. So, yeah. Anyways, Onto the Earth is a good place to donate to. There's the Interfaith Delegation. There's Rise Coalition. There's, um, I think, it, I forget how to pronounce it, but... Um, Janu Collective. It's G-I-N-I-W Collective. They do a lot of okay. great work. Tarahouska, Resist Line 3, Stop Line 3. Lots of accounts that you can look into. Either donate to them or follow them and spread the word. There's also the Action Network petition to get Biden to Stop Line 3, which you can still mm-hmm. do because he still has not done that. Um, but he does have the power to do it. Again, listen to our last episode if you want to, or listen to our Down the Rabbit Hole if you want to hear more about that. Mm-hmm. But there are, yeah, there are things that that everyone can do. And I think just not forgetting about it too. Continuing yeah. to talk about it and continuing to talk. I think maybe one of these days we'll we'll do a more in-depth story episode on different pipelines and oil spills because like I said, being there, it was helpful to have some of these statistics in my head and just have some of the facts in my head. And so I wonder if that would be helpful for people yeah. like uh, going to actions like this in the future to have a specific yeah. story or anecdote that they can share. So actually which, let us know if you're interested. Yeah, which also um, I know like the cover of our last down the rabbit hole it was basically a bunch of i think specifically pipeline related spills mm. in the u.s on a map and then they're yeah. uh way back in our fracking episode which is a different thing but there's a there was a whole like interactive map of news coverage mm. on different fracking related spills or like pollution like kind of like uh no like notes of pollution or even just worker accidents if someone got mm. injured or whatever and looking at those maps um i i'll put both of those in our show notes cuz i honestly just think it's really interesting yeah to look at and when you look at the like the country as a whole and you see um like how much damage is done in all of the incidents all on one map mm-hmm. and click into it it's like it's kind of overwhelming but also like I don't know. It's just very interesting to look at in a, a visual sense. Because I feel like if you're not in it, it's hard to understand or even wrap your head around the scope of mm-hmm. the damage. 
um, and the different types of damage too. Like it's so hard to talk about all the different types of effects all in one go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think the maps and yeah, if we like dive into specific stories, cause there are so many, again, even like six people got injured doing a thing, mm-hmm. which is maybe not the environmental impact story that people might protest or something, but it's still the like the human cost of oil. No, yeah. And I feel like we have to try it from all different avenues too. Like that it's interesting that that speaks to you and I feel like we need to listen to that. Like okay, this is what really gets me going and this is like like get what drives me to action and sometimes it's not what you expect, right? Like sometimes yeah. it is seeing that number of or yeah, the the workers who were injured or the number of people that were arrested at a certain action, sometimes that's what drives people to to pay attention. And then other times it's whatever, something more emotional or like the water ceremony or a song. Like it's hard to know exactly what is going to connect with people, but if we're talking about it more and more, then we can kind of figure out more, okay, this is what really gets like my family members to care about this thing that's not happening in their area yeah yeah i would love to hear like what made someone interested in a certain thing yeah yeah i did start listening this was kind of a sidetrack but i did start Mm -hmm. listening just speaking of like unexpected consequences of the oil industry i did start reading that book yellow bird um and it's exactly like an episode of uh series of fargo because it like it's right around there Mm. and so like and is that about uh, missing and murdered indigenous women? No. It it I thought that was what it was going to be about, but it's about an indigenous woman who investigates a like a missing oil worker. Ooh, oh my gosh. And like she is like the person who like investigates and she kind of has like a troubled past and she just got out of jail and then like gets really deep into this uh missing person case Mm. but it's it it's so interesting again like another incident around oil that is like very interesting to connect to but that's that's another story for another day but I just was like this is exactly the next you know uh season of Fargo could be this story yes that's so true I need to catch up on Fargo such a good such a good series I love that (laughs) show but also I love I, I want I want to hear that whole story. I would love for you to like want to finish the book maybe to do that or like an offshoot uh-huh. of it. Yeah. Are you ready for the dump? Yeah. Let's do it. What have you been doing? <laughs> well, my my parents came into town for yeah. the last week. Like they just left before we started recording. So I mean, since we're all vaccinated and they were in town, I feel like I've done more in Austin in the past seven days mm. than I have like since August when I moved right. here. So like we went to a couple different restaurants and a couple different museums and just walked around some different neighborhoods. Um, a lot that I've been to before, but like, you know, it was just, yeah, it was a lot. Um, and very cool and just to like explore the city and we went hiking. Um, we found a lost dog that we eventually I saw reunited that. with with her owners. 
Um, so we were going to go hiking at Barton Creek uh, Greenbelt. And before we got into the trail, there was just this dog in the parking lot just wandering around. She didn't she had a harness on, but didn't have like a collar with tags, didn't have a leash. Hmm. And so another kind person with a dog gave us like their leash off of their dog and was like, "I'm we're headed back. Like we have more leashes at home. Just like take care of this dog. Oh, my God. And so we stood there for like probably 30 or 40 minutes just like being like hey if you like see anyone looking for their dog like we have them Mm -hmm. eventually we're like all right we have to like like we were calling like the humane society to see if they could do like a pickup or whatever and it just like wasn't happening and so we took the dog to get microchipped wasn't microchipped dang but then through the power of like facebook groups and like the next door app and like different people like you know connecting with everyone else we finally found the owners of this dog and like they came and picked her up and yeah happily ever after happily ever after but like yeah it was crazy there for a second but very 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 sweet dog yeah what what had happened were they on the hiking trail and the dog got loose or something i think the dog just like split and just like bolted i don't know if they got off the leash or like it's um there's a lot of water so like a lot of people let their dog like off the leash and like run around in the water Mm -hmm. so i don't know if the dog just like maybe you know just started running and uh made it back to the parking lot and then just was wandering around. So I don't know like when exactly they were there or when that happened. But yeah, we like we couldn't find the people on the trail. So we were like, well, it was also so hot that day. It was like over 100 degrees. Oh, dang. Yeah. So it was like we can't just like stand outside. But you, um, uh, but also the dog couldn't like needed fresh yeah. water and stuff too. Wow. Yeah. What yeah. heroes. So that, that was an adventure. So yeah, like this week has been more action-packed than any week in the past like year and a half honestly Mm -hmm. so yeah that was that was my week it's crazy yeah I felt that way well not about exploring my own city although I will experience that in New York because I moved there the same time Mm -hmm. that you moved to Austin yes but I've been you know going around Minneapolis a little bit or I've just been like in a different place again the last few weeks which is what I used to do a lot I just Mm -hmm. like to I'm always the type of person that I'll be like going on a two-day trip and I'll be like well I might as well on the way like go to this person and then like this 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 and then it ends up being super long (laughs) which is what I've done but it feels good because I haven't had that experience in like Mm -hmm. over a year so to be able to to see the people I care about and yeah go to museums and like be around people at a restaurant I I'm surprised mm-hmm. but I had I like a lot of people had quite severe anxiety during the pandemic and had types of yeah. social anxiety that I had well the pandemic is still going on but yeah. I had types of yeah. social anxiety that I, I had not experienced before and I'm really thankful that at least for me being vac- fully vaccinated has uh, alleviated a lot of mm-hmm. those anxieties in a way that I didn't ex- I didn't expect having the vaccines to make me feel any different but it really yeah does yeah for me there are still lines that I'm like because like I was still in restaurants where like even if it wasn't like 
you know, every other table, like it was still like relative, there was still like space and room to breathe. Mm -hmm. But like there was this one restaurant that's like pretty touristy, but there's like a beautiful view and we're like, we'll check it out. But it was so busy Mm. and it had (laughs) at the front, like it's like super, super touristy. It literally had like a rope, like queue and Mm. like line, like it looked like a Disney World ride. Oh, wow. Of, of like waiting to get to the host stand. And I was just like, I can't do that. No. Because no. people like weren't spaced out in line. Everyone was packed in. And I was like, I, that is, I, again, very much same. I feel like being vaccinated and whatever, like going to a restaurant and like whatever. I feel pretty good about that. Um, but like, I was like, no, 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 that's where I draw the line. Can't, mm-hmm. can't do a D- Disney line queue. Yeah. Too, too much for me. So it's interesting to still, see, yeah, to be like, find those lines of like, nope, not going to put myself in that. Yeah. In that situation. Uh, and being yeah. mindful and of how other people feel too. Cause like, yeah, I feel like I've been, I don't know if it's just proud of myself, but I've been like, oh, I should just keep doing this even well after everyone, like after the pandemic is mm-hmm. asking people if I can hug them or like shake their hand. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, I've been like seeing my friend and meeting some of his friends. And so like I want to like hug them, but then yeah, I also yeah, definitely yeah. don't. I mean, even there are just some people me sometimes included who just don't like to be hugged by people they don't really know or Mm -hmm. in general and so like asking people if you can greet them in that way I think it's like it makes at least when people ask me it makes me feel respected and then it actually makes it better because consent is sexy yeah yeah or or platonic but you (laughs) know platonic (laughs) um yeah no I love that and like honestly like I'm still gonna keep my mask out because I get yeah so sick uh it's it's a bad time for me whenever I get like a cold or whatever or even allergies Um, and yeah and like if allergies hit me like I can just spiral down that hole of like it turns into a whole nightmare lose my voice for like weeks yeah so I think it was do you remember going to that tennis show where uh, my car got locked in the parking lot and I couldn't even talk because my voice was gone. I remember the tennis show, you probably but to don't. be honest, I don't remember that part. Was, did, were we driving together? Oh. No, because you went home. Was I a bad person? <laughs> I, and I had a friend pick me up, but like, because uh, I think you were like, by the point that I realized that my car was locked in, you were like gone. And I was just like, oh, and no. a bunch of other people had Sorry. their cars locked <laughs> with me. And um, it was a whole thing. And yeah, I I got a ride home. It was fine. But you mean like locked in like, by other cars? No, it was uh, it was by uh, Mercy Lounge, uh, maybe. Yeah. Or yeah. The and there was the it was it was Mercy and the lot across the street closes at a certain time. And I didn't see the sign oh, or like a car was like a truck or something was blocking the sign. And I or it was like maybe only on the way out. And I wasn't paying attention walking out. I only was paying attention like, oh, there are no signs that say no parking. So I'm good. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, I got locked in and then was like Dang. going back into the venue, like trying to talk to them and being like, my voice, you can't hear me. It's fine. Bye. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. So masks are something that I, you know, to not be in that situation, to actually be able to 
speak and have my voice. Yeah. You know, I might wear it when I travel or like just run little errands or grocery store. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on the Amtrak, by the way, I was wearing a mask the whole time. And I, I wear an okay. eye mask to sleep. So I was oh literally, I had like my bright Fully red. Yeah. I had my sleeping bag out, which is one of those. I don't know, cocoon ones where it's tapered at the bottom. So I was like mm-hmm. wrapped up in that, <laughs> had like the head part over my face, was wearing an eye mask and a face mask, which are both navy. So it's just like I have a picture where just my whole face is covered in <laughs> cloth, basically. I love that. That's so, so funny. Yeah, which does help. At least people were really good about wearing their masks even overnight. That's good. Uh, I wanted to mention, I think I mentioned this last week, or I know I did. Um, but the first episode of Trace Material Season 2, Stories from the Plastics Age, comes out today, June 16th. Ooh. And then new episodes will be coming out throughout the whole summer, basically, every other Wednesday. So that's really okay. exciting. Um, I'll so. link that. Trace Material, that's a podcast that I am a research assistant on. It's through the Parsons Healthy Materials Lab at the New School. So such a cool idea like going through the social history of plastic and so this first episode is focused on early plastics and how plastic went from like an imitation actually sort of almost touted as an eco-friendly mm. imitation because it was a replacement for ivory and tortoiseshell and like animal-based mm. materials um, and how it transitioned from that into the synthetic plastic world that we know today so if you're interested in that, I think you'll be interested in that. Um, go and check it out. It's only like 25 minutes, so it's really quick too. But um, especially if you listen to it like 30 times like I have, you learn a lot. But I think even once you'll <laughs> yeah. learn a lot. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to listen to that, especially after hearing all the stories that you've been yeah. you know, thinking about and talking about. Um, which, speaking of plastics, mm-hmm. I'm currently working on launching a project uh for like reusing and recycling like bubble mailers and like poly mailers and bubble mailers Mm -hmm. um basically taking them from the community because everyone orders online and everyone has a million mailer mailers lying around and then distributing them to online sellers and small business owners um and pretty much anyone who needs a pack like to send something um so that and maybe maybe some bubble wrap because um, you can a use cool that project stuff. yeah you can use that stuff a whole bunch of times and uh it's tricky to recycle so i'm trying to you know before you even have to think about how it's recycled getting people to reuse it uh, and extend its life mm-hmm. so i'm really excited about that i'll have hopefully more updates in the coming weeks on it if anyone lives in Austin listening to this and you, you know, need some mailers, want them for free or a very low cost, you can you can message us on the world is burning one for now. And I'll have some social updates again in a couple weeks. Oh, you have exciting social updates. I know that's not, the 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 goal <laughs> of the thing is much larger than just like your social media, but you have a lot of cute stuff from the designer of our logo. Yes. Sonia Katanik. Yeah. So I'm hoping to uh, have some kind of like educational material on plastics and how to recycle them. You know, how much 
plastic waste is going out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have a fun little character that I will unveil on social soon uh, once everything is finalized to help help teach everybody. So so I'm really excited about that. I just got some drafts of it yesterday and I was just like screaming and showing everyone like, look how cute this is. It's so, so cute. So I'm really excited about it. So yeah, again, if you need mailers and you're anywhere near Austin, hit me up. Or if you have mailers, I'll take them off your hands so you don't have to throw them out. That's true. Yeah, you're creating that like system that makes it mm-hmm. easier on both ends. So I'm obsessed. Yes. Yes. Yeah, because I know like in Nashville, there was like there were similar things for like you could get pickups for glass recycling specifically because they didn't have it mm. in the city. So like I'm trying to do something similar with your filmy, you know, mailers, bubble wraps, whatever that take a couple different steps or you have to bring them to a specific location. So, yeah, yeah I'm really excited about it. And, you know, hopefully it's something that other people get excited about, too. Yeah. What I love about it, too, is that, like, you're reusing them often for, like, the same purpose that they were originally used. Because I feel like sometimes yes. you get, I mean, you know how I feel about Amazon, so I don't get them. But, like, I yeah. see plenty of those, like, bubble mailers from Amazon. And I get mm-hmm. stuff and things like that, too. And so sometimes you see it and you're like, oh, this isn't eco-friendly. So embarrassing. I'm just going to, like, throw it away and pretend it never happened. But actually, yeah. those, you know, as much as they should be using better materials while they're still using these, it's worth using them over and over again because they can, yeah. they can handle that. And so you're using it for the same purpose, not even just like recycling the, mm-hmm. the core materials. So I think it's, yeah. Yeah. No it, energy so exerted to like change it into something else. Just my energy yes. of probably running around Austin and like giving them to people. Yes. But like, especially like a lot of them are also designed to be reused again mm. or um, like even the Amazon, like the not the paper ones. Those are tricky, which also to recycle those pa- the ones covered in like the yellow ones that have bubble wrap on the inside mm. and paper on the outside to recycle it. You have to peel the paper off, which just does not seem like something that is like doable on if you're going to do that for every single one like it just seems yeah, so tedious for a 25 cent mail or two yeah so like you have to peel it apart and it's a whole thing so but especially with those uh blue and white amazon ones like mm-hmm. they have a perforated tear to open them so they're really really easy to reuse because they already have like a clean line if you just like roll it and put tape on it it's they're super, super easy to get a second or even maybe a third use out of mm. if you're careful with them. So that's all I'm here to say is <laughs> use your trash a million times if there's a really easy way to do it again. And it's a good way to save small businesses a little bit of money because yeah. like shipping is a big cost and packaging is a big cost. And so and I'm challenging hoping the aesthetic a little bit too. Yes. And challenging Cause I know like, I feel like maybe it's like a little, we're a little bit past it now, but, but I think it's still a thing like, um, like unboxing videos and having really extreme extravagant resource heavy packaging Mm -hmm. and extra things in there and like big boxes for small products and stuff. So yeah, definitely challenging the like unboxing aesthetic 
Yeah. Which I will say, like I use all on the outside, I use all pretty much reused mailers. And but I still like use a little bit of tissue paper. I still fold it up. I have like a little note. So like yeah. you can still have like maintain your personal branding while reusing, you know, plastic mailers. Yeah. From someone else. Um, which like obviously I'm trying to make a little program around it, but like if you find a couple family and friends or, you know, put out a call for that on your buy a nothing group or on Facebook or whatever, like I guarantee people will save them for you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love it. Okay. So more on that soon. Lots yes. of plastics, I feel like soon. And yes, every, you're hitting notes that I'm like, this is going to be talked about later in the trace materials <laughs> gonna- season, all the recycling and okay. like uses and aesthetics and whatever the ways that people treat plastic mm-hmm. all gonna be in there so and it's plastic free mm-hmm. july pretty soon so we've got Ooh. a whole slew of things to talk about um should i do our socials yeah go for it okay so i don't have it written down so i'm just gonna do this from memory our instagram i, I do our, you always I do, do it from memory every week and it's always bad <laughs> honestly it's it's whatever it makes it different every time you know um, yep. So our Twitter and Instagram are at Worlds Burning with no G. We're also on TikTok at Worlds Burning with a G. Maybe we'll revive that at some point throughout the summer. No promises. Mm-hmm. Um, our All of our information, our extended show notes, all the links, everything we talk about in this episode is on our website, worldisburning.com. We have a whole episode log of everything. You can go and dive into everything over there. Mm, um, our email is on there too, worldisburningpod at gmail.com. If you haven't given us a five-star review and you're still listening, please go to Apple Podcasts, even if you don't use it, and give us a five-star review and maybe one or two lines. That helps us mm-hmm. so much. Um, you truly have no idea how much that helps us, especially as a small podcast. Um, share things that you're interested in or stories that you want us to tell. Send us all that stuff on social media or on email, literally anywhere you can find us. And yeah, mm-hmm. we'll see you next Wednesday. See you next Wednesday.